Well, good evening. Welcome to Masterclass Theology. We're in the Book of Ruth tonight. I am uh, Joel, and at one time I was called Big Rev. And uh, yeah, so we, we finished our time in Matthew, and we are uh, next week we're going to be launching out into a new series in First John. So we got a buffer week, and I've been asked again and again when we do something in the Old Testament. So I decided, well, we got one week in the Old Testament. Um, Let's do my favorite book of the Bible. And I am, I am passionate about God's Word, obviously. I, I, someone ex explained, I was talking with someone the other day, and we were talking about this class, and we figured out, we, called, we, we described it as an explosion of Bible. It's just like a Bible, not, not that you would explode your Bible, but just an explosion of all things Scripture and meaningful dialogue about God's Word. And um, but we're, we're in Ruth tonight. And what I'm going to do is um, I, I'm just going to joyfully read the book of Ruth to you. And I'm not going to really do any pausing. And then we'll just kind of paint in some broad strokes about the basic themes. And then we'll ask some questions. And, and my, my like we did with the Gospels, what works out really well is if you find a character in a gospel story, for example, that seems to be you. In my case, it's usually Peter. Okay, you guarantee. And, but you most likely are familiar with the story of Ruth. And so I know that I struggle at times with feeling bitter. And so Naomi is my girl. She's me. And I wish I could say I was more like Boaz. But uh, no, it's Naomi is the one I'm drawn to. And she really is the main character of the story. If you really think about it, if, you, if all the human characters, because obviously God's moving his chess pieces behind the scenes here, but of all the human characters, it's really not about Ruth. It's really about Naomi. So we got to listen, listen intently for Naomi here. But let's begin. God, I thank you for... This evening, I thank you for these dear souls that are journeying alongside right now and to spend some time in my favorite book of the Bible. I just love the book of Ruth. It's my favorite love story in the Bible. It's just full of, Lord, just so many wonderful things and some just some really great, just passionate pleas and, and cries and prayers and, and the beginnings of a relationship, Lord. It's such a romantic book and it's also just full of your grace and your power. And at no time, God, are you the star of this book. You're so behind the scenes and everything. And that's what makes it especially awesome. To see your hand at work through the eyes of faith. And God, I, just, I thank you for this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the days when the judges judged, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, that's irony right away. Bethlehem means house of bread, so there's no bread in the house of bread. Together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab, one of Israel's enemies. The man's name was Eli Melech, the wife's name was Naomi, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Mahlon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem. That Ephrathite is not a tossed away word. We, we remember that from the Christmas prophecy of Matthew 5. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. That's a clan. And so they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. Well, that was fast. And she was left with her two sons. Okay, 
So an, an original reader of this would go, okay, at least she has her boys. She's a widow, but she's got her sons. They'll take care of mom. They married Moabite women. Okay, one named Orpah, the other Ruth. And they lived there about 10 years. Both Mahlon and Kilion also died. Oh, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her, with her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. When Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Boy, how about that? That's a mother-in-law who's like, okay, go, go get married again. Go, go back to mom and dad's house, especially dad's house, because you have no man to rule over you anymore because your husband's dead. Go back home to dad and find another husband. Okay. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me. Okay, she's probably postmenopausal at this point, And she's playing the pregnancy game with them. Even if she was pregnant right now. Even if I thought there was, there was hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? And so she's winning them over here. No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you. Ah, there's that word, the bitter. Because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Wow. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, says Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Wow. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me. Look at this. She just, she just invokes the name of God here. Wow. Uh, she's a Moabite woman. As far as my research goes, they worshipped the God Chemosh, not Yahweh of Israel. But may Yahweh deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on till they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, beautiful, pleasant, lovely. Don't call me that. Call me Mara, bitter, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. And this is a very bitter sentence right here. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So there is some hope there. The harvest is beginning. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of, 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 of some translations, noble character. Um, it's going to be the same word used of Ruth later. The, the, the Hebrew is chayl, a man of chayl. 
It's sometimes translated wealth or standing. Uh, definitely a blessed guy from the clan of Elimelech. Oh, that name again. Whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone who, in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, now, those of you who have had classes with me long enough, you know that with God, there is no as it turned out. There never is a coincidence. God has a plan A only, and there is no plan B. God's sovereign plan is going down the tracks, and nothing will derail or end God's plan. It literally says in Hebrew, as she lit her hap, her happenstance, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, and the narrator reminds us, who is from the clan of Elimelech? Once again, Naomi's dead husband. Okay. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of the harvesters. Evidently, Ruth has caught his eye. Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she's the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said... Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvester. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. Now, this was a recipe for being taken advantage of in that first century world. In fact, you can kind of hear some uh, cynicism here. Yeah, this is the foreign gal who came and she's gleaning. And, um, but she's been working all day. You got to give her that. But Ruth said, Boaz said to Ruth, excuse me, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, which implies that men were going to lay hands on women and, the, and take advantage of them, I guess. It's sad as that is. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with the people you did not even know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Don't forget that sentence. Because the next chapter in the threshing room floor, she's going to mention those very wings. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not even have the standing of one of your servants. And mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here. Have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. Then she sat down with the harvesters. He offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to, to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. I think Boaz is uh, smitten. <laughs> so Ruth gleaned in the field till evening. This is a strong girl here. She's not messing around. 
Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth, as if she wasn't carrying enough, also brought out and gave her what she had left over from when she had eaten enough from the meal. Her mother-in-law asked her, you can imagine her going, my goodness, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working. The name of the man I work today is, you can imagine her playing coy here. He said his name was Boaz. Does that mean something to you? Boaz? The Lord bless him! Ah, now all of a sudden, in Naomi's heavenly economy, I wonder if the bitterness is starting to fade away. She sees God's hand at work. Those eyes of faith just begin to, the Lord bless him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and to the dead. That man is our close relative, one of our guardian redeemers, one of our Goel, one of our kinsmen redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished. Then she lived with, and she lived with her mother-in-law. I like that, that the narrator put that in there. That she's not, you know, she's a woman who's got some character. She's not just going to be sleeping with random people out in the fields or anything like that. She's living with her mother-in-law. Okay, one day Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor, wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he's finished eating and drinking. I know this scenario is a little weird, but we'll see what happens. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there's a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I'm your servant, Ruth. This part choked me up a bit, sorry. Spread the corner of your garment. She's literally in Hebrew saying this. Spread your wings over me. Remember that prayer, Boaz? May you find a refuge under God's wings. Answer that prayer. Spread your wings over me since you're a guardian redeemer of our family. Boaz knows the score here. The Lord bless you, my daughter. This kindness is greater than what you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor, and now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do all that you asked. All the people of town know that you are a woman of Chayel. 
a woman of noble character, such a fitting match, a woman of Chayel for the man of Chayel, a woman of noble character for the man of noble character. They are well matched. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another more closely related than I. Stay here for our night, for the night. In the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning. He got up before anyone could be recognized, and he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, Bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he, went back, then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? She's probably up all night pacing the floor. <laughs> then, she, then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter. She gets deadly serious here. Wait till you find out what happens. That man's not going to rest till he settled this matter today. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the, as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. When he came to the guardian redeemer, he said this, Naomi who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I'll know. For no one has the right to do it except you, but I'm the next one in line. So, so Boaz lays it out nicely. I will redeem it, he said. Oh, there goes our romantic moment. Then Boaz said, all right, pal. On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you're not just getting land, you're getting a wife. Because you acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, oh, then I can't redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. And what he meant there was he can't take on Ruth he can't lie with her and produce an heir because he's going to have to feed that kid. He's going to have to raise that kid. He's going to have to provide for that kid, but that's not going to be his heir. That's going to be either Mahlon or Kilion's heir. We're not told yet. We forget. We, we, we weren't told which one that Orpah married and which one that Ruth married. So that kid that's going to be this guy's progeny is actually legally not going to be his progeny. He's going to basically be taking from him financially and not giving anything back. So this guy's my estate can't handle it. I can't endanger my own estate. You do it. You want her? You got her? You want, you want to do this? You've got it. You do it. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi. 
all the property of Elimelech, Kilian and Machlan. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Mahlon's widow. Oh, thank you. Now we know. <laughs> if anyone's going to know, they're going to know. Okay. You can imagine him talking to him. So which, which of these boys did you marry? Just for the record. As my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among this family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home be like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah, be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth and became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise! Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. It's a good line. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. Really? I thought it was Ruth. No. I told you, this seems like Naomi's story here. And they named him Obed. Let's watch how God works. The father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashan. Nashan, the fa father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. So the book of Ruth. I cannot make it to the book of Ruth without tearing up at least twice. Wow. I found five quick themes here. Number one, we see this in Ruth. It is present all throughout the Bible. God extends grace to whomever and however he wills. Grace is something you cannot earn. Grace is a gift. If mercy is not getting what you do deserve, grace is getting what you don't deserve. Ruth is a foreigner. She's an outsider. She is a nobody from, uh, from someone who's outside of Israel. She doesn't deserve anything. She doesn't deserve to be brought into the family of God at all. In fact, if you, if you take the... If you, if you take the genealogy straight up, which is not necessarily the way to go, but if you do that, who's the one right before Boaz? Boaz's mother would have been Rahab, another foreigner brought in. Or somewhere down the line there, Rahab, another Gentile woman brought into the family. This is the family line of David, the family line of Jesus. Jesus our mixed-race Messiah. 
God brought in these non-Jewish Gentile women of noble character. You see, when it comes to God's grace, saying fair or not fair doesn't matter. God shows you're just like the guy who had the, 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 the vineyard who got to pay the ones who were there all day the same amount that he paid the ones who were there for a couple minutes. It's his money. If he wants to pay, he agreed upon a rate, and he's going to pay them this rate. And if he wants to pay the other guys this rate, that's his business. God's going to save who God has decided to save. God's going to show grace to whoever God has decided to show grace to. That's God's business. We see that in Ruth. Number two, God is at work. And as God is at work, he also uses our work. When life seems like it's at its worst, God shows up mightily. God does some amazing things. This poor Naomi became a widow and then she became childless. All grown men, dead, dead, dead. She's left with nothing except two daughters-in-law, two mouths to feed, and she's not feeding anybody. Wow. God is at work, and he uses our work, even when life seems at its worst. Number three, character matters, and is used by God for his glory. God used Ruth, a woman of noble character. He used Boaz, a man of noble character. Character matters. Every time Ruth is mentioned in this text by somebody else, they're in awe. Like the, the harvesters are like, she's been here all day. She's working more than the men are working. My goodness. She had hardly sat down. She's the one who's caring for uh, the, the, the Naomi gal. The, she's part of your family, right? Yeah, she's, she came with her. Everyone in town's talking about her. And she hasn't sat down. She's been working nonstop. That one right there that you got your eye on. And Boaz, being a man of noble character... I like to think that the fact that she kept working for his relative, her mother-in-law, caught his attention just as much as whatever figure she was cutting. Because that's the first thing he brings up. Not, hey, well, hey, who, who do you belong to, number one? But he wants to hear from her, yeah, I'm, I'm with this, you know, I'm with, I came with this, and I'm, I'm Ruth the Moabite, and I'm, essentially, I'm nobody. But Boaz made her somebody. Boaz is, is, is like Jesus, our Redeemer. And though we are not worth anything because of our sin, though we are by definition unlovable, unforgivable, we have wronged God as his enemy, Jesus loves you, this I know. He loves me, this I know. Number four, God may use you to answer someone's prayer. Ruth answered Naomi's prayer. Boaz answered Ruth's prayer, the wings, spread your wings over me. And Boaz also answered Naomi's prayer. Number five, showing loving kindness. The word of the book of Ruth is chesed. It means loving kindness. Remember that old hymn? Thy loving kindness is better than life. Loving kindness. That is the word of the book of Ruth. Showing loving kindness mimics our loving, kind God. God is a God of chesed. And so, all throughout the book of Ruth, they keep talking about who is showing loving kindness to somebody. Wow. So, let's take some time here. We're just going to pause. We're just going to take a few minutes for each one. And um, 
for the recording. I guess it's going to be dead time, but we're just going to talk about it at your tables. Um, number The first question here, how does Ruth show profound faith? I invite you in your Bibles to go back to chapter 1. Just dig into Ruth's profound faith. Again, you may look, you may look at the, the book of Ruth and your character that you're picking out for yourself, as, as, as I read it aloud to you, Ruth may have stirred your soul, the character Ruth. If so, I want you to think about why. Why does she mean that much to you? What is it about her faith? Why is this big speech that she gives to Naomi when Naomi tells her to take a hike? Why is that read at weddings today? Which, by the way, is a little bit creepy because it's a daughter-in-law to a mother-in-law and we want to use it for weddings. But it's also not creepy. It's also kind of sweet because it's one of the best extemporaneous soliloquies in all the Bible. It's hard. You'd be hard-pressed to find greater faith in that moment right there. You can, but it's hard. What is it about her? So I want you to write something down. Just to take a moment here and answer that question. I gave you some space on your page. How does Ruth show profound faith? And we'll just... Uh, yeah. Where you, yeah, where you die. I mean, she takes it to the nth degree. You would expect Ruth to, to say, okay... Because eventually, Mom, you're going to die, and then I'll go back. Because you know what? Nobody would expect me to stay after you're dead. No. Where you die, I'm going to die. You were buried here. I'm hanging around because I'm eventually going to be buried here. What is it about her faith that's just so profound? Yes, sir. Right. It makes no sense. In fact, if you, if you look at her, her foil, which is Orpah, and everyone knows the story. Oprah Winfrey was originally named Orpah. You know, they just got it mixed up. But Orpah did the logical thing. So many people, when it comes to our faith, they will do the smart thing. They will do the less risky thing. God is calling them to step out of that boat, Peter. But instead, they're, they'd rather watch Peter and stay back in the boat. And watch Peter, you know, fall on his face a bit. Or what have you. Say what you want about Peter. He broke the laws of physics. He walked on water. See, Ruth, the, 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 the common reaction is Orpah. Orpah's like, well, you know, she, she kind of does. I read a story about, like, if you go to someone's house in, like, an Asian culture, and, you, and you're, you, you offer them something, and that you're supposed to deny it, like, two or three times. And, oh, no, I don't want anything. Oh, please, no. I, your hospitality, please, I won't accept it. I won't accept it. After about the third time, you're allowed to say, okay, yes, thank you, I will accept. So we're like, right away, they're like, oh, I'm not going to go home. Oh, no, 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 I'm going to stay here. And they're weeping on her. And, 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 of course, Naomi, you know, she's a strong gal. She's not going to have it. And get out of here. Who are you kidding? She doesn't have a baby bump. 
And even if she did have a baby bump, even if she did randomly have a husband, which she doesn't, and they had already conceived a child, I guess she's Abraham and Sarah all of a sudden, and she's conceiving something miraculously, and all of a sudden, yeah, you know, I, I get it, I'm pregnant, but, you're, but even that, even in this odd scenario, are you going to wait the nine months it takes for me to, to have this kid? And then, if I have this kid, you, you're not going to marry a baby. Are you going to wait this kid to grow up for 18 years, and meanwhile, all your childbearing years are wasting away yourself? Are you going to, you've got to be kidding me. Get out of here. No one's going to care, and Orpah, okay, well, fine. Fine. But it is under that, after that big stinking speech, that Ruth lays it all down. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. Wow. That's faith. Next question. How how was Naomi genuine in her faith? Take some time looking at Naomi. I love Naomi. Naomi is like that one person that always says it as it is. Maybe you are that person in your family that you don't care how it sounds, you're just going to say it because you were raised to say what you're feeling and be done with it. Um, what kind of things does she say? That she just lets, it, lets let people have it. Yeah. A little melodramatic, but yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, in that same uh, section, she's like, you know, I left here with everything and I come back with nothing. It's like, ma'am, you didn't have everything. That's why you left. Yeah, you you were starving. Yeah. She's definitely a glass half empty type, isn't she? And piggybacking on that, brother, how does she then view God? Because she didn't just say passively, I left full and I came back empty. She, she, she wasn't even passive-aggressive about it. She was aggressive-aggressive. What did she say? Yeah. She used God's lesser-known name, Shaddai. The Almighty has brought me back. It's like, the one who has all power, he brought me back empty. Don't have to like it. She, you know, I'll tell you. I like Naomi's faith. I like that Naomi is very genuine. You know who she reminds me of? She reminds me of one of Jesus' best friends, Martha. Jesus, if only you had been here. It's as if to say Jesus, because the text tells us in the gospel that Jesus could have hurried, but he slowed down, he waited. Jesus, if only you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Lazarus wouldn't have died. Are you kidding me, Jesus? That is a faith that looks at Jesus and says, how dare you? You could have done differently, but you didn't. And now my brother's dead. So what are you going to do about that, Lord? That's a faith that is so hurt, but is so real. That's a faith that I know I need to have. I mean, we're told in the Psalms, the one who searches our heart. We're told in Jeremiah, the one who knows our thoughts and searches our heart. You know, the heart is deceitful, but he first searches us and knows us. 
Am I going to pull a fast one on God? Okay, God, I'm really upset at you right now, but, uh, you know, I'll just sugarcoat it because I'm a pastor and all, and I know I can't, I can't really be mad at you because, you know, who, you're God, and how, how dare I? She's not pulling any punches on God here. And she's telling this to people. Wow. What other genuine things does Naomi say? I mean, she's just genuine. She, 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 you're not getting anything fake from her. She is just telling you how she feels. She is like uh, some of the women I know that I go to visit in the nursing home. They don't have a filter anymore. They just say what they say. And they don't care. They just speak. And it's not even bad stuff. But it's just like, oh, I'm tired of hearing this. Speak about something else. Or, or I, you know what? I, I can't tell you the number of times I, I, I'm, I'm giving them a, a Bible lesson at their worship service. And they're just saying, oh, my bottom hurts. Or, oh, my back, rub my back. Okay. And so hopefully a CNA will come over because I'm not going to leave, you know, the, the, the teaching area to go over there and rub their back or anything. But, but they just are saying what they feel because they had this kind of relationship with God where they can be genuine and they can be just the real McCoy. I love that. That is so refreshing. Yes, ma'am. Isn't that cool? That's, uh, that's that my favorite song of the Prince of Egypt movie. Look at your life through heaven's eyes. She sees through heaven's eyes. All of a sudden, that happens, and she goes, oh, that doesn't just happen. What's the old line of all the gin joints you could have walked into? Okay, of all the fields, of all the barleys, and of all, she just happened, just happened to go to the one guy who has the cash and the chromosomes, the family makeup, to be able to take care of this business. I mean, her wildest dreams, and so all of a sudden that happens, and all of a sudden she's like, ooh, wow, that's God. And she turns right around and she praises God. The same God that she's been blaming for her issue. She, she's got bitterness. Bitterness is anger towards, turned inward and shoved outward. I mean, this is the kind of faith that Jonah shows. You know, Jonah is something not, not that much to write home about, but he starts to grumble. He wants to die. Well, God, I knew you were going to save him. That's why I didn't want to go. I mean, <laughs> what are you upset about, Jonah? You are pound for pound the greatest missionary in all the Bible. In terms of numbers, Paul's, Paul will have you beat. But in terms of just pound for pound, you preached once in an entire culture turned over. And you're going to cry about it. But that's a faith as like, God, I knew you were going to come through and I didn't want you to because we don't want ISIS and Al-Qaeda to really become saved, though we say we do. Our enemies are our enemies. Those are the Ninevites. They're our enemies and they kill our people and they're mean and they, and they do these things and they, and, and, and they burn their toast. They do all these things, God. I don't like them and they're mean and they're just, you're going to save them. I don't want you to save them. I'm going to go to the other side of the world and, and, and oh, you sent a, a big storm and oh, there's that fish and oh, I'm smelling like fish guts out on the beach and okay, I'll go. and I don't want to go, but I'll go and now you've saved them all, God. Now I just want to die. You see, he's genuine. He's wrong. He's more than a little selfish. 
There's other character issues going on there with, 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 with dear Jonah. But the one thing we can't say about dear Jonah is he's not genuine. He's not being real with God. Any of these prophets who are weeping and groaning and grumbling and Elijah has this great Mount Carmel moment and Jezebel rears her ugly head and he runs to the the other side of the world. She's going to kill me. You just slaughtered half of her army of, of prophets. God just showed up on Mount Carmel and she says one thing and you're a dog with a tail tucked and you're taken off. Seriously, Elijah? Warts and all. That's scripture presents it to us, warrants it all. I love her faith. She's so genuine. How does she feel God? Well, when things are going bad, as her brother said, he's at fault. He did this to me. There's something refreshing about that. That is a rather theologically high view of God. God is so sovereign that he chose this path, and this path has wrecked me. That's Martha's faith too. Jesus, had you chosen otherwise, you could have been here. And then we're doing a triage in the room instead of a a morgue. I mean, that's that's some faith she's got there. It doesn't look like it, but if you dig down deeper, I'm digging this Naomi cat. I really am. I need to have that kind of faith. Because so tempting just to be like, okay, I'm a pastor, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a father. I'll just sugarcoat whatever I'm feeling, God, but deep down in my heart I'm feeling something different. Come on. Be genuine. How is Ruth a woman of noble character? What was it about Ruth that made her character just pop and stand out? What was it about her? How would you describe her character? Definitely loved her mother-in-law. I think she also was very concerned about her mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law going back, going to alone. Yeah. In her mind, she was going to help her. She didn't know how. She just knew she could. If you were going to describe a kid, a good qualities of your child, what would you want those qualities to be? I'll just give you one. Obedient. Was she obedient? Yeah, she did whatever. Her mother-in-law gave her some highfalutin plan that in the wrong eyes could be seen as a, a weird moment on the threshing room floor. Scholars hint that, you know, prostitutes or women of ill repute could have been, you know, trying to cash in on some barley labor wages or something. I mean, everyone was in good spirits and partying and celebrating and, you know... That was part of the extended culture, at least in theory. And she was telling her daughter-in-law, hey, you're going to get this man. Here's how you're going to get this man. You're not going to do it, but you're going to lay there. You're going to uncover his feet, which does kind of sound a little sexual. Totally. She was so selfless, wasn't she? You see, that's the difference between love and lust. And I've had to learn this. I've struggled mightily with lust in my life. Lust takes. Love serves. Lust 
views things as objects. Love wants to serve and, and, and be selfless. Lust is selfish. Love is selfless. That's why Jesus, or excuse me, that's why God writes through Paul in Ephesians 5, 25, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. There's no objectifying there. There's nothing but selflessness. And though this is not a marriage or anything like that, this is a covenant. She called an oath down upon this. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. If I don't do these things I said I was going to do, that's still a covenant that's bound by an oath. Just as strong as a marriage. And she's coming through with it. She's definitely faithful. And Orpah, well, Orpah did what was logical and what everyone would have understood. Nobody's crying about Orpah. Not one person's going, oh, well, she was such a jerk. No, she wasn't. She did what everybody expected. In fact, you could even argue that she was more obedient than Ruth was. Because mother-in-law said, go, and she, she put up a little fight. But then, okay, okay, I'll do what you say. Whereas Ruth was like, uh-uh. So you could say, so Naomi could have had an argument there if it wasn't so darn touching. She could have been like, well, you disobedient wretch, I told you to go, you better go. No, she's actually being very sweet and going to care for you, woman. But it's like, okay. But she could have said something like that. Go be like Orpah, who actually obeys me, and you don't. How is Boaz a man of noble character? What are the things that Boaz did that stand out to you and go, yeah, we want our boys to be Boaz. In fact, if I wasn't so hard up on uh, naming with J's in my family, I'd have a Boaz. We're all J's in my family. He protected her, yeah. Even if the guys weren't going to touch her, as some have argued, he made darn sure of it. Yeah. Yeah. This is... And, and, you know, she, did he make it harder for her to glean or did he make it easier? He went, he went the extra mile. I mean, you can imagine all the women going, seriously? Wow, dang. I mean, here's a bunch of food. Take some home to mother-in-law. You know, it's like, uh, we're not told, but uh, you know what? She, what, what we are told was that she's a very hard worker and so the women are probably saying, well, you know, she's, she's working for it. I mean, she's really going for it. I mean, it's not, it's not like she's sitting there looking for a welfare check or something. She's really going for it. So we're not, not just expecting some man to, you know, she bats an eyelash or something, and all of a sudden here's a bunch of, here's a bunch of grain. Oh boy, maybe you'll come back tomorrow. Golly, you know. No, it's... And, yeah, pull some stocks out, in fact. All this grain that you've broken your back to harvest, pull some of those out and just toss them about and let her have at it, you know. Seriously, boss? But uh, no, this <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Boaz is, I like what, I like what Naomi says, this man's not going to sleep till it's done. And he handled his business. He handled it with respect. He handled it with, in a manner that 
Everyone was, it was on the up and up, nothing shady, nothing under the table. I had all the guys who needed to see things. There was no secret room. There was no nothing like that. It was all out in public with all the old timers who needed to be there to give the imprimatur and all that kind of stuff. Everything front and center to gave the guy the first chance. He didn't hide anything from him. He said, okay, you said yes, just so you know. Um, by saying yes, this comes with it as well. And I imagine the crowd's going, ooh, what's he going to say at that point? But yeah, fair enough. I mean, free wife, that would be, I mean, if, if, you, if you were a husband back then, not allowed to have another woman to biblically know, that would come with the territory. This Ruth, he would then get to enjoy as a wife when he buys this land that just happens to be the deal here. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. That's just what it was. That's presented. You buy this land, you get Ruth. you got to take her also as a wife. Now, you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for Mahlon or Kilion, whoever it's going to be. But still, you get to enjoy her. And he's thinking here, oh. And thankfully, he thought about his pocketbook. Because that ended the day for him. And Boaz probably had his heart stopped for a couple times and What's he going to say? But regardless, Boaz already said it. Hey, if he's going to redeem you, great, because you're getting redeemed. If he won't, I got gotcha. you. Great, you're getting redeemed. He doesn't care. I mean, in reality, uh, he's, I, I think he prefers option B, but I mean, <laughs> we're just saying, but, but he cares about this family. This is his family. It's getting done. It's getting taken care of. And it matters to him. How is loving kindness shown in the book of Ruth? God, you've not stopped showing your loving kindness to the living and the dead. You see, God brought her back. The whole empty and full kind of dilemma there. But God is doing a wondrous thing in Naomi's life. Towards the end... Everyone gets to say, Naomi once again has a son. You know the one who lost all the guys? And she's got these girls. All she has is this Moabite girl. I mean, seriously, she's got a son again. The clan of Elimelech has an heir. And oh, what an heir it'll be. And that's the surprise at the end of the book. We're not expecting that. I mean, the, 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 the casual reader of Ruth is not expecting Obed, Je, Je, Jesse. Oh, 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 all right. Wow, dang. All right, God, there it is, David. David. All because a man of noble character and a woman of noble character were led by God. I don't know. Most likely not, but um, she made the, the genealogy. The gospel writers knew of Ruth. They also knew of Boaz. Somewhere. He probably is. Well, because he says to her, hey, you didn't run after the, uh, the, the good-looking guys that are... Uh, 
shirtless and sweating out there and they're, they're, they're lifting everything above their head and, and all the servant girls are checking out all these harvesting boys and, and they're looking pretty good. You didn't run after those guys. He said, you didn't run after the younger guys. You know, the, the underwear models or whatever they are, the, the beautiful chiseled guys who are out there and like, how you doing? You know, the, the gun show kind of thing. No, she went after old Boaz here and it touched him. It's like, you're doing me a kindness now. You could have gone after anybody because, I mean, you could have gone after anybody, but you came to me. Wow, that touched him. God sovereignly acting behind the scenes. See, when you, when, you, when you read Ruth again, and I guarantee you will, because you're not going to forget me crying up here reading you the book of Ruth. It's such a short book, but it just kicks your rear end. It's so great. Look for the loving kindness shown again and again and again. God is moving those chess pieces behind the scenes. God is showing himself faithful. God dealt with Naomi in her bitterness. He did that. He allowed her to be her. He allowed her to be heard. He didn't smite her down because she was crying and blaming him for her life. No, he had a great plan for her. In her bitterness, she still trusted God. It's kind of an odd trust, but it's trust. You see, when I counsel people who are bitter and they're depressed and, they, and they're having a hard time putting their past in its place, they are most likely Naomi, and they blame God for what's happened to them. And sometimes some really bad things have happened to them. And they blame God. And they have these Naomi moments. And as I counsel them, I, I begin to bring another character to mind. And it's Joseph from Genesis. At the, at the end of the book, Genesis 50, he says, you know, all these bad things have happened to me, but you meant it for evil, but God used it for good. It's like bitterness with that perspective, whoosh, tidal wave of change in your heart. Bitterness does not have to be the end of the story. Ruth should grab a hold of you if you were a bitter person. But there's hope for Ruth. Her bitterness, when she sees God's hand at work, turns to immediate joy. We don't hear about bitterness anymore. She gets a plan, and she's ready to go. You can see her walking around with that walker just going for it. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to happen. You're going to go there. You say, oh, it's going to happen. Okay. How can your life and faith change and be like that of a character in the book of Ruth? I just wanted you to take a couple moments here, and I want you to write down under this question, what character in the book of Ruth is you? Or it could be, it doesn't matter if you choose a guy or a girl character. You might even choose a lesser known character, like a, you may look at the, uh, go to a play, and you're like, my favorite characters are the ones in the chorus. The ones who are all the townspeople, the ones who are the harvesters, the ones who don't get speaking parts, the ones who are out there working, and all they can do is just testify that God's at work. Yeah, I'm not a main character in life, it seems like, but you know, when I see God at work, I can celebrate with that person who's been blessed. Naomi has a son. I don't know. Take a moment here as we close. What character has stood out to you in this story and has grabbed a hold of you and is you? How you react, how you are, maybe how you think about God, how you think about your life, how you think about making hard decisions. And maybe it's Elimelech. 
He didn't want to leave the house of bread. He didn't want to go to a foreign land to try to eat. He knew it probably meant he wasn't going to be showing any faith, but he had to make a decision to feed his family because he has to be the man. He has to be the household leader. He has to do an unpopular thing, and God used that. I don't know. Maybe you're an Elimelech. Maybe, I don't know what Mahlon and Kilion do. They just kind of show up and they just die. This is hard to say. But you know what? God redeems them. God gives them a name, especially Mahlon. God gives him a name. And his name gets to continue through the faithfulness of the wife that he left behind. We see that in Elizabeth Elliot's story. Her husband's killed by those Aka Indians and she goes back. The woman, the wife that he had to leave behind when he was martyred and an amazing work that she did. That's right here. And God used her, though she was an outsider, though she had nothing to write home about. And if you've written somebody down, as you take this with you, write down also why. So if you wrote down Naomi or Ruth or Boaz, you need to write down, when you come across this paper one day in the future, like, why in the world did I choose that character? Write something down so you can remember. Anyway, this is our fun time in the book of Ruth. For Masterclass Theology, this is Joel. Thanks for letting me share with you guys. Next week, we're going to be launching out in the, first, in the book of 1 John. God bless.